0: This is a dill pickle, a mighty pretty pickle,
1: especially when he joins you at the show. We have lots of pretty pickles waiting for you at the refreshment center. They're plump, tender, mouth-watering. Wouldn't one taste good right now? Welcome once again to Cinema a la carte. A carte, Eric. Cat. Cat. That's right. That's what uh, the
0: accent means.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, this is a uh, podcast I'm with your co host, uh, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the US of A, and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how's it going, sir? Well, it's too
2: hot, and anybody who likes the heat is associate sociopath. But other than that, it's good. You're a heretic. I love <laughs> At least I'm not a sociopath.
1: Well, fair enough. Whatever you think a sociopath is, that's <laughs> that's fine. My wife would agree with you, so so I think I'm in the minority on that one. Um, and I mean about the heat, not not that I'm a sociopath.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, don't ask Phil. You're better. Just don't ask. You're better off.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh,
3: in, in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how's it going, sir? I'm. Nice and cool, Phil. How are you? Central air conditioning is wonderful. It is. Oh, very good, very good. Um, now, uh, before we
1: begin, uh, who we are. We are a genre podcast that basically, well, not necessarily a genre, but a podcast that basically discusses and critiques movies. Uh it can be pretty much any type of movie really, but uh it's a spin-off of the Dark Discussions Podcast. Uh so we use the Dark Discussions email, dark at AOL dot com, uh Dark Discussions website, www.darkdiscussions.com dot com, and uh the Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group where you can just search for that and we can add you there and you can uh join the conversation. Uh but Eric, uh why did we do this monthly or s our kind of monthly spin off podcast?
2: Uh, because, uh, you and I in particular would often get into head bumping contests over what qualified for the dark discussions podcast. Um, and this is our compromise, which is that we take movies that we want to talk about, but aren't dark discussions material and talk about them here. Um, so here we're going to talk about, uh, we kind of had a Western on here already. We've, uh, we've got a thriller tonight. Uh, uh, and we've got some drama and maybe we'll get something funny on here someday. But, uh, yeah, basically anything that's not, well, all the stuff we had a cartoon. What?
3: We had a cartoon.
2: We did have a cartoon and it was funny. So I guess that, I guess that counts. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we did inside out that hasn't been published officially yet, but you'll see it soon. Um, so yeah, uh, basically we take anything that doesn't fit under the dark discussions, uh, umbrella and we talk about it
1: here yep that's right that's right now uh eric um we do have that website dot discussions.com what can people find there stuff more details uh, nah they know it <laughs> i ain't doing that shit tonight <laughs> all right uh but um anybody who wants to uh donate to patreon uh, please do so we appreciate any uh, donations because uh, we do have a uh, number of bills we're in the red um, we're actually developing a new website that's costing uh, about 100 bucks because uh, it required a new hosting area to do the development and various other things that cost money and uh, anything you want to donate would be fantastic there's a button right on dark uh, to patreon uh directly to the patreon thing and if you uh donate um you get to choose a topic for the dark discussions podcast uh so um check that out thank you
3: if your name is yeah if your name is picked uh
1: tonight for who folks who are curious uh, tonight is july twentieth twenty twenty uh so middle of the year of uh seven twenty twenty yeah that's right yeah so middle of the year of uh the, the year of hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. All right. So. Um. Any information anybody wanted to bring up? Anything? Anyone? All right. So let's uh, get into our topic tonight. So uh, Eric, what are we going to discuss tonight?
2: I forgot. I uh, tonight we're. <laughs> tonight we're going to be talking about the 2004 film starring Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx, and Jada Pinkett Smith called collateral.
0: You know, if you'd just listen to me, we'd be all bogged down in traffic
3: right now, and you would've made yourself an extra five bucks.
2: Yeah, when you keep that five bucks, buy you something special.
1: I'll take. It. I got five stops to make. What's your name? Max. Max, I'm Vincent. I'll meet you in the alley behind the building.
3: Oh no! What the hell? You killed? Red light, Max. Hold on, hold on. And you were gonna drive me around tonight and never be the wiser, but we're in the plan B.
1: Now we gotta make the best of it. Improvise, adapt to the environment. Whatever, man. We gotta roll with it.
2: You just met him once and you kill him like that?
1: But I should only kill people after I get to know them?
0: I'm not up for this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what are you gonna do about it?
0: There's a man named Vincent. <laughs> I got another D.O.A.
3: He's already killed witnesses. He's coming to kill you. I do this for a living! What's going? What's my work? Gotta roll with it. Adapt. Get your hands in the air!
1: That's fun coming from you.
3: Slow down! Silty!
1: Uh, that's right. Uh, collateral uh, also includes uh, Mark Ruffalo, Javier Bardem, uh, Peter Berg, Bruce, Bruce McGill, among others. I did
2: not recognize Mark Ruffalo in the movie. I I was surprised when I saw his name in the credits. Uh, I
3: didn't even recognize Javier Bardem. I recognized his voice. Yeah, him too. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Oh, oh, and, and uh,
1: Jason found as an what? airport yeah. Jason Strathan. Yeah, he's Airport Man. Yeah. Oh, I he, totally missed him. He played he was playing the character from Transporter, they say. That's what that's what uh people were trying to say. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh so anyway, uh this is a uh, two thousand four film. Uh it is directed by Michael Mann. Michael Mann uh is one of the, the bigger directors in the past, you know, thirty years or whatever. Uh has done a number of uh big films, including uh this film here, um Manhunter. Um he- he the insider, um, Public Enemies, uh that's just oh Ali. Ali um and uh, he actually did uh the cult film The Keep, uh which is actually I think supposed to get a, a upgrade by Screen Factory. Um so yeah, he's a well known director. Um he was uh the director of this film and he, the writer was a guy named Stuart Beattie from Australia, which uh oddly um hasn't uh done much as big as this. Um, the film uh, had two Academy Award nominations, including Best Supporting Actor of Jamie Fox and uh, Best Editing by Jim Miller and Paul Rubel. Uh, the film um, was highly regarded by critics, uh, most critics claiming that uh, uh, Tom Cruise was fantastic and that Jamie Fox was a find because prior to this film he was just doing uh, comedy. Um, so, uh, the acting, I'm sorry.
3: I think, didn't he do, was it in living color? Yes. Was that's the, exactly. that what really found him. Um, how the fuck was he best supporting actor nominee?
1: Because he was a co co-star with, um, with,
3: with the cruise. supporting actor, which was Tom Cruise. <laughs> 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 Jamie Foxx was the lead. I'm sorry. Uh, um, I'm disagreeing. I'm saying it's cruise. no,
2: I'm saying Cruz. Yeah, I think you're wrong, Phil. Sorry. No,
3: it's not right, Cruz's sure And, and cat. Jamie Foxx has more screen time.
2: The movie opens with Jamie Foxx and then Tom Cruise no, enters the it, picture.
3: No, it opens opens with Tom
1: Cruise in the airport. <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it does. it doesn't matter. Um so uh the film uh, was made uh in a budget of sixty five million and pulled in uh, two hundred and twenty one million uh, was named in the top ten best films of the year by numerous critics, including uh, folks such as uh, Richard roper uh, I lost the rest of the list but there was a there was a bunch of them um, so uh, I guess we can get into uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it so uh, let 's start with uh, me I guess because i this is a, a, the film I chose to do uh this month for. Uh, cinema a la carte. Uh, Colaro I actually heard of because uh, I'm alive, as Eric usually says, because yeah. it was getting a lot of press because of Tom Cruise um, and whatnot, and especially since uh, Michael Mann as well, and Cruise was playing a character kind of out of character than what he usually plays. Um, so I actually saw this, this film, uh, I think I saw it at the theater, because uh, this is when Tom Cruise was, was like – the big big name you know like, like one of the big ones and um this film uh along with edge of tomorrow i think was the film that made me decide that tom cruise is the best actor of all time well that's not true but he's one of my favorite actors uh, especially in the modern era um he's awesome in this film uh the film is great there's a lot of great set pieces um it is gritty it is scorsese like it is uh violent and It plays music, interestingly, like a Quentin Tarantino film. Um, The story is compelling. Um, You actually kind of want to root, at least I did want to root for the villain. Um, And uh, um, even the side stories that kind of burn out, intentionally burn out, um, are are pretty solid as well. So a big thumbs up for me. uh, One of my favorite Uh, thrillers of all time and uh, anybody who loves Tom Cruise must see this film Uh, Eric
2: I don't remember how I heard about it initially probably advertising Uh, but I actually went to see this in the theater back uh, in the day and uh, my theater experience was less than ideal uh, because uh, I'm sure eventually we'll talk about the climactic scene in the subway in this movie when that scene happened in the theater I was going to, they had a problem with the sound system, and all of a sudden, everything was extremely muffled. Um, so you could barely hear any sounds, and you certainly couldn't understand anything they were saying. Um, so I had to go home and look up on the Internet what the hell they said to each other on the subway train. Because <laughs> I couldn't hear it, and I was rather upset about that. So... uh I really haven't thought about this movie since then. Um, but I'm glad I had a reason to give it a rewatch because it's it's a pretty good movie. Um, I watched it with my friends Dan and Susie the other night. Um, they both enjoyed it. And um, what Phil was saying about the, the music, I don't, I'm not as enthusiastic about it as he is. I felt it was kind of out of place in some parts, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, generally, I thought this was a very good movie and I would give it a recommend.
1: And uh, what did was it their first time seeing it, your friend's first time seeing it? Uh, yes. Okay, very good. Uh,
3: Mike? Yeah, I saw this with my wife, Pam, uh, in theaters. When it came out, I found out about it, because I'm old and I've been alive for long enough to have been able to see theaters that are rated R without a parent accompaniment when that came out 16 years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, this seems to have been it didn't seem that close together but you know Cruz was doing films in this sort of early in the 2000s movies like Magnolia and Tropic Thunder and this that seemed to be a little bit more stretching what his usual roles are I, and Pam had asked me is this the only film he's ever been the bad guy and I think it is yeah, Um I, I can't think, think so. of another one I, Um I think what, ha- what might have happened is because he's a few years older than I am so he might have like been getting to 50 and he said, shit, I can't make these movies forever. <laughs> and so then he just started making like the Mission Impossible films and doing a damn good job making them um, and movies like that. Uh, but, yeah, this definitely shows he has that uh, range of talent. He could work if you wanted to as like a character actor. Um, or as a villain or as a heavy and he weirdly enough, because he has gray hair in this film, he looks older (laughs) in 2004 than he does in 2020. Um, guys really was a vampire in interview with a vampire, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, this is one of my favorite Tom Cruise films and I like a lot of them. It's probably my favorite Michael Mann film. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a solidly executed film and a nice simple premise that is exceptionally well executed. It has a fantastic, fantastic script um, That's again, very simple, lays out everything you need to do for this um, game of which really between two characters. There are other uh, ancillary characters in it, uh, but many of them are in and out for a few scenes Um Or are you there simply to drive the plot or be an obstacle? They're not really there as characters per se. This is about these two men uh, and how this night changes uh, Jamie Foxx's character's life. Um, And I really, really like the way it's done. And one thing I always notice about a Michael Mann film, if I'm ever watching something, is this a Michael Mann film is that they tend to be very, very quiet until they're not um they tend to like be very very serene very calm and then lots of loud banging noises you know he huh. he gets he does great gunshots you know you don't get your typical from him movie theater action movie bang bangs mm-hmm. his gunshots sound like actual gunshots and i always appreciate that
1: all right very good uh so that's uh our opinions and uh we all saw it at the theaters so that shows you how old we are Um, so uh, we
3: the same theater
1: I don't think so I don't think so yeah so I didn't uh, see you there yeah I didn't see you there either I wouldn't have Um, noticed if I did that's true you (laughs) wouldn't Uh, we didn't know each other at the time Um, so uh, Eric uh, do we have a wiki for this wiki wiki alright a cab
2: driver finds himself the hostage of an engaging contract killer as he makes his rounds from hit to hit during one night in Los Angeles. Oh, I
1: don't like that wiki. Why? It tells too much. I went in blind when I watched this film at the theaters. I didn't know Tom Cruise was the, was a, murderer how do you tittle... describe it? I would say, uh, two men, uh, a cabbie and, uh, out of towner, <laughs> you know, obviously you put me on the spot here. Um, uh come together and their lives have changed forever or something. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> okay. Nobody would go see that movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Is this a comedy? Is this a gay love story? <laughs> well you could say uh Tom Cruise in, in the in Michael Mann's latest uh neo thriller um uh, comes together with up and coming Jamie Fox in a one night's journey into hell. Bum, bum, bum. What do you think?
2: They'll be in love forever.
3: Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't. I, don't know. I thought I thought that was a good marketing campaign. <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm
1: just giving you a hard time, Phil. Not bad for for spur of the moment. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, so uh, you know we'll we'll uh, get into spoilers and and critique it, you know anything and everything. So uh, you know we'll talk. I mean, it is an older film, and uh, we do throw up the spoiler alert, but uh, before we do spoiler, alert, we'll discuss uh various aspects of the film that aren't necessarily spoilers. Um, yeah, Mike had a good point. Uh Tom Cruise was uh branching out and doing various other types of films uh at this time. Uh this role um was uh one that would have surprised me because again, as Pam, Mike's wife's mentioned, is this the only film that he's ever been a villain? Cause you know, usually um, these type of actors, you know, Henry Ford only played a villain once in his life, for example, um, try not to um, want to do villainous roles for whatever reason. And they think that it will taint them, uh, which is kind of silly, um, but because, you know, it's not like they've been typecast. Um, so um yeah, his role... Oh, you know what? He
3: did um, Vampire Lestat, and you could argue that was a villain role.
1: Yeah, yeah. You could argue that's true. Yeah, all right. I'll give you that. Um, but um, the thing that I think I like about this villain the most, besides uh, the awesome set pieces, is um, the s- semi-sociopathic killer. Uh, I love these type of What do you mean semi? <laughs> well, I'm <he>, like... <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you examples. Uh, you know, for example, uh Anton Shagur from No Country from Old Men. You know, I mean I love those yeah, types but this of guy films. Is... Mm. the difference is is that unlike Sh Shagur, who had no conscience at all, this uh Cruz uh his character uh, Vincent, um, I think was a little more regretful for his choice of life versus Anton Chigurh, who
3: I didn't get that at all. No, I didn't get that at all. Really? All right. We'll discuss as we get into it. Um, I, I think um, what I, you know, what's interesting is he's a villain and he reminds me a bit um, in a way of Mike and Gus from Breaking Bad. Um, they do terrible, terrible things. In many ways, they are awful people, but it's the way they do it. It's sort of there's like a professionalism that you can kind of respect.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but he, yeah, you no, know,
1: you know what he reminds me of because I don't, I forget what those characters, but Ennentrop, um, uh, That's Ermitry. what I'm saying, Mike. Justin oh, Mike. that's his. That's his name. Mike. Okay, got gotcha. Mike Ermitry, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, he's like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's, although Mike I, is a bit more of a conscience, but a lot of that's more obvious when you watch Better Call Saul. I had Um,
2: a a cognitive disconnect both times I watched this movie because of their choice of uh, wardrobe and hair color for Tom Cruise. Um, He kept on reminding me of Leonard from Memento um, because he's got the, the, the gray jacket and the light hair um so there were like certain shots where i was just like wait what oh yeah no not that movie this movie uh <laughs> so that was something that just kind of poked at my brain both times i watched the movie
1: yeah you know also reminds me of a little bit eric in, in a way is uh Dell and helen from ozark or, or uh darlene except he's not as crazy He's just kind of more under oh, control. he's like <laughs> he's like Cersei's from Game of Thrones. How about that? He's a
2: contract he's, killer. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah he's a
2: uh, just like the wiki says. He's
1: a he's a, a uh, one of those cleanup men that do all sorts of things, including contract killing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, and that's the thing is is that uh, the way he does it is like the mob would do it where he has no interest in torturing or, well, that's the mob would torture. Um, let me rephrase. Uh, he does it like um, a person that just take him out. efficient. Do, yeah, efficient, exactly. There, there's no conscience involved. He doesn't hate the people. He's doing it for the money. He. But he's
2: uh, only semi-sociopath.
1: He's, <laughs> he was created, not... He, not born, uh huh. Based off of what he says in the cap a couple of
3: times, <laughs> eh, a lot of people go and are in that circumstance. They don't go on to be overcome to what Tom Cruise was.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> or Phil, we're ganging up on them. Well, yeah. Well, the FBI made a good point in the film where they say uh, a lot of these guys are that do these assassinations are old uh, KGB, Stasi, or or various other um, uh, special. Special ops, people who've lost their jobs and they then get hired by these um, firms, which are really just fronts for uh, removing troubled people. And so that's why um, these guys who, when you think about, it, you know, their only skill was special ops, they join up in these these companies and, and then that's their job. So it's not like they want to, you know, and they can still make huge money versus being stuck working uh, a job that um, would pay not too much for a skill level. That isn't as big as what they do as uh, special ops. Unfortunately, it's illegal what they do and and immoral and evil. (laughs) Yes. All those things. Yes. Um, and so I thought that was a kind of interesting thing. And that was just uh, a, a line that was said in passing, but it makes complete sense, uh, especially after uh, the things that we see the, the Vincent character do throughout the movie mm-hmm. um, because he can really, he's like a powerhouse, you know, he's, he's like Anthony Sugar. He's, he's a powerhouse. Um, he's smart. He's, he's brilliant. And yet he's a psychopath. So I'll, I'll go with Eric. He's a psychopath. <laughs> there we go. So uh, basically,
2: uh, Phil claims this movie opens up with Tom Cruise, but I don't remember that. Um, yeah, big... I remember uh, <laughs> Jamie Foxx <laughs> in his cab um, talking to Jada Pinkett Smith. That's the first thing I remember in this movie.
1: Yeah, see, so you forget in the scene where um... – at the very beginning of Cruise Lands, he comes out, he bumps into a guy who's uh, Jason Stram, and, and they go, are you all right, man? He goes, yeah, I'm all right. You all right? And, and they switch, switch suitcases. Oh, okay.
3: Right. Yeah, because- and that was actually one of the things I wanted to point out in, in how well the script is is that, uh, script is that script written, is that it very quickly delineates these two characters. Tom Cruise gets off a plane. We see him at LAX. It's um, very st- sort of uh, steady- camera work. Um he's in a he's you know got grey hair, a little bit of a beard, a grey a gray suit, very professional, and has an obvious, you know, drop exchange with Jason Stratham. And, you know, that tells you a lot about who that character is. Calm and centered, professional. And then you cut to the Jimmy uh, uh um Jimmy Fox Parker. And Jamie Fox, his character Max, is you know you're in the garage. It uh, cuts back uh, and forth a lot of things. Sir. I wouldn't say that. I mean, the guy's working on a crossword puzzle, so that tells you he's smart. Um, he keeps looking at things going on around him, so he's looking at details. And you're quick cutting around and seeing a lot of the chaos around him. You know, you see him cleaning out the cab, which again tells you something about his his own professionalism and his own. Uh, OCD. Sort of OCD, um, and then course, you have a him. Put, person. Well, but then you, and then you also have but Yeah, when remember he couldn't. He was having trouble driving with the mess in the seat next to him. And then you uh, see him put picture of the island on his on his visor, and yeah, uh, that immediately tells you we don't know what yet, but we know he has he a has dream. Dreams. You know, and so that tells us you know here's a guy who has made it and the guy who wants to make it and just put two very different uh, paths in life. You know, he's just dressed in, in a, in a hoodie and uh, um, you know, and James is very casual as opposed to the very button down professional look that Tom Cruise has. And I think that's part of it is that, uh, is that look of that whole, that whole gray, very sterile look. Right. That they I had understand. for him.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if if it also simply is intentional because it takes away any um, color from him, meaning you know the the suit, the hair, and all that. So he's like undefined. He's we ju- he's just a cipher until, and we have to figure out who Tom Cruise is as the film goes goes about. Um, I guess uh, building the character up. That's interesting you know yeah especially when you compare him to to um Max's character Jamie Farr's character because Max as as Mike said we get all these really interesting uh introduction scenes you know about um you know what he does his hobbies how he dresses um his cleanliness his as you said Eric OCD you know it's pretty obvious and then um the big scene between him and uh Pinkett Smith uh you know the flirtiness in the car and, and and whatnot and it's a pretty uh fun scene um and so you you know you can pretty much figure out who Fox is I mean we learn more about his character later you know we find out that his mother is a, a dink um but generally um we we pretty much know that He isn't the loser that I was (laughs) saying. He's really more of a guy uh, from circumstances, especially because of the way his mother basically has probably told him his whole life, you're a loser. Um, And yet he still fights that and always has hope, even if that hope may never come true. And I thought that was pretty uh, interesting how his character is developed like that versus the cipher of, of Tom Cruise.
2: Well, and it was also interesting how it was revealed over the course of the film. Uh, because, you know, when he's flirting with Jada Pinkett Smith at the beginning of the movie, he's like, oh, yeah, this is just temporary. I'm I'm getting this limo company off the ground. Um, and then you, you find out later he's been doing this for 12 years. <laughs> and- and tom uh I, that's actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when uh after they've been running around for for most of the night together tom tom cruise finally tells them how it is and is like listen you're not fooling anybody this isn't temporary you've been doing this for 12 years that doesn't sound temporary to me
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well and that's the thing is that the two characters the differences um is and i'm not talking about evil and good. I'm just talking about their differences as just people. One always keeps hope, even if the hope may never, uh, come into anything except being happy versus Tom Cruise's character who says everything, how it is. And he's a nihilist because, you know, life is, is, is nothing and meaningless. And, and he even thinks his own life is meaningless. Everything's meaningless. and, when he sees Max 12 years doing the same thing. And yet he's telling people that he has this goal that may not even ever be reached instead of saying, well, you know, keep it up, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. He is the nihilist that he is, which is basically saying you're a loser without actually saying Max, you're a loser. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, I think, what is interesting about the Tom Cruise character? A lot of this, you know, the, uh, the you know the moral of the story is kind of he who hesitates is lost. Um, Tom Cruise's character is confident from, from beginning to almost end. Um, and, and the the basic theme here, the 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 idea here is that Jamie Fox keeps postponing, you know, waiting until wait until the time is right. Wait till the time is right. Um, you know, very Hamlet like. You know, and you know, full of self-doubt and letting that hold him back, where Tom Cruise is nothing but confidence and self-assuredness.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And he just moves through uh, through everything in this film like a shark, you know, just mm-hmm. moving, killing, moving on to the next thing. Until you get to the end of the film, um, because then at the end of the film, you do have that one moment where Tom Cruise is stuck not knowing what to do, mm-hmm. where he's not sure which subway car to jump on. Mm-hmm. And that's, in a way, in addition to a conversation, you know, flashing back to a conversation earlier in the, the film, also kind of foreshadowing, okay, that he's finally at the end of his rope, right? They, the two characters have sort of swapped places. Um, and again, I think that goes back to the, the, the sharpness of the script. It doesn't highlight it. You know, it doesn't have somebody saying repeatedly your problem you know max is that you you can never make up your mind and you can never just <laughs> pull the trigger on something right. right they don't they don't just tell you that out front and uh you know got to think uh what was it, captain marvel one of the things that annoyed me was that there's a that her character's problem is that she is supposed to be that she's too emotional something that you absolutely never ever see any point in the film but everybody keeps telling her that's what her problem is well, they say um, it, it must be true. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You know, it's the whole show, don't tell thing.
2: Um, <laughs> it's they, they, they've, they've loved that one. Right. Yeah, you
3: know, but it's but here, you know, everyone knows. I, look, I admit I am very much like that. I will wait. I will hesitate, you know, to make sure things are just right before I'm willing to pull the trigger. And and so you miss opportunities doing that. I will admit that I, I can be that kind of person. Uh, whereas my wife is the person who goes the other way sometimes, and she can just wants to do it. She will pull the trigger on it sometimes, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, whether it's ready or not. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's good compliment to have. You can go too far one way or the other.
2: Well, and I did the, the whole reason to watch this movie is for the dialogue. Um, because the dialogue, particularly between, um, I can't remember Jamie Foxx's character's name. Max. Uh, <laughs> Max between Max, Max and Vincent. Uh, Max and Vincent. Uh, the between the two of them is, is Max Derosier.
3: He's a Frenchman, right?
2: And probably nobody cares, Phil. Uh, <laughs>
3: Leo Derosier from the from the Dodgers. <laughs> and right, probably,
2: right. probably like and and probably one of my favorite moments in the movie. Uh, and uh, you know what? Come to think of it, maybe Dan had seen this before, uh, because. Before we started, he asked me if it was a funny movie. And I was like, well, no, not particularly. Uh, but there are a the couple of funny you're... movies moments in it. And my favorite of them being when Tom Cruise starts yelling at Max's boss on the radio. Well, that was hilarious. Because <laughs> Jamie Foxx yeah. has, to, has to call in. Cause the, the cops called in that the cab was... Uh, supposed to get fixed before it could operate again. So his boss radios him and starts yelling at him that he's going to take it out of his paycheck. And Tom Cruise just rips him a new one. It's fucking awesome.
1: Right, right. And then he tells um, Max to tell his boss
2: Tell your boss that you're going to shove this cab up his ass.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly.
3: Um, Shining was good advice, but When someone has a gun, you kind of do what they tell you to
1: do. Right,
3: right, right, right. But obviously it was a
1: humorous moment, but uh, I'm sure uh, it was part of the screenplay and filmed this way intentionally uh, to say something about um, bosses, maybe. I don't know. Working for the man. Well, Uh, I think
3: it's the idea that he's letting this man bully him around, right? He's getting pushed around by this, this guy who's the dispatcher. And not standing up for himself. You know, part of this whole thing is, again, him, uh, Jamie Foxx's character, learning to get confidence. Right? That's that's one of the reasons he hesitates. Right? That's one of the reasons he's waiting for the moment is right. Is he going to call the girl? The girl was clearly interested in him. Right? Yes. Um, Is he going to call the girl? Well. He probably I mean, would. He, he didn't.
1: He didn't even ask for the number. She had to give it to him. That's how right. how much she, of a boop he yeah, is. She, she, she turned around and gave it to him. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a curiosity too because even though Tom Cruise is a nihilist, a sociopath, and holding someone under gunpoint to. Uh, have him drive him around town. And again, this is only because of an unfortunate accident. Otherwise, Tom Cruise would have done it all undercover and Max would have never known. Or, or maybe he would have set up Max and, and have Max look like the the killer because there's a little twist well, thing at I, the I end.
2: But there was... the Sorry, finish your thought.
1: Oh, sure. So, but um, Tom Cruise was also um, kind of awakening Max to potential and things that a a different thought process that whether, whether it was stress or just whether it was because of stress or because of common sense. um, I I think oddly it changes Max in a different way than um, we would expect it. In in other words, Cruz's character Vincent was, was good for Max And I think Max oddly thought that was the case because of what happens at the end. But again, a lot of Michael Mann films do this, where the good guy and the bad guy oddly have respect and, quote unquote, some kind of love for each other. Um, And a lot of his films are like that. Now, what did you just say, Eric? I said it's character building. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, But
2: what I was going to point out is that uh, when the police are talking, they say that um, a couple of years ago, somebody came around and and murdered a bunch of people, and then they found uh, a a cab with the driver shot dead in it. As a suicide. Uh, So, well, theoretically, but but the impression I got is that Vincent had been here before, and that cab driver had no idea what was going on and paid for it with his life. Um, so yeah, to, to I use think the
1: cab driver as the setup for the, the murderer as the murderer.
2: Right. So, so even though, uh, even like, I think if that accident hadn't happened at the beginning of the movie for Jamie Foxx, become aware of what Vincent was up to, had that not happened, he would have been a dead man. Cause he would have just been driving this guy all around all night and then gotten shot at the end of the night. Uh, whereas because he became a part of everything, uh he actually gained the backbone to to stand up for himself and fight back.
1: Right, right. And and to be honest, uh, I think it was it was a growing process, right? Because originally he was fighting for himself um but then accepted his fate again. But then when he found out that the, the um Uh, I'm trying to find uh, the Annie Farrell character played by Jada Pinkett Smith was on the list. Mm -hmm. I think that's when um, he really said, okay, I gotta, I gotta do something. And you know, what's interesting too, about this film too, is that Tom Cruise starts the film at the law office where Annie Farrell was probably the first target, but she hadn't been in the movie. She hadn't arrived at the office yet. And so that's when he got in the car and uh, started with the next person on the list.
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: if you remember, he was at the office building because that's where he got picked up. That's, that's where he dropped her off. Yep. Yeah. And he had the special car to get into the building somehow. And so, and he, and she wasn't there. So that's why, and at the time we don't know why, why he's at this building. Cause we, we you know, if, if you're, you're going blind, you just assume he's a businessman or something. Um, and then he gets in the car after Annie is dropped off and then that's when when they go to uh the next person on the list on, on his hit list of five people. And and the uh, list,
3: businessmen but, don't usually do bag swaps. Yeah. That's at the true. airport. That's
1: so yeah. well I was thinking I was thinking a spy maybe.
3: You know. Yeah. Um yeah, and the interesting thing is again going back to we're gonna jump all over the place apparently, and that's fine. Um is he sees the card. He knows Jamie uh Fox knows Max knows uh Annie. And he taz, tells tells Askar you're gonna call this woman tomorrow. He's right. planning on killing her that night. Yeah. He he knows full well he's on the one he's playing with Jamie Foxx. Oh, he I playing don't, with Max. I, don't know? Think here's so. a, here's, I, I I don't, don't agree, I don't
2: think Mike, so. and here's why. It's because when he looks at the card on the visor He's just trying to get a name quick, and yelled at the, at, uh, the dispatcher. Um, but uh, when he's he's talking to him about calling her, he doesn't have that information memorized about his hits because otherwise he wouldn't have to have him go get the information for him again.
3: But he already went to the law office, right? right. But but I don't I don't think
1: I don't think. The name was was that important to him that he met, he remembered it.
3: Yeah, I still think he was going to kill him one way or another. I don't. know uh, yes. like
1: yeah, I we're, agree. We're I agree with, with that. that. Yeah. yeah, we're agreeing with you. On that. We're, we're thinking that he's going to kill the cabbie and leave the gun with the cabbie and make it look like the cabbie did a murder suicide.
3: And well, we I should also I, point I, out that it. is something that's you know Chekhov's calling card because uh, <laughs> he 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 does he does end up calling her the next day. Cause I'm pretty sure it was after midnight. Right. Um, you yeah. know, as Tom Cruise instructed him to do. Right. So, Hey, irony.
1: <laughs> it was irony. Yep. Yep. I mean, there is the one uh, little story at the beginning about uh, Tom Cruise when he first gets in the cabin. This is before we, we know Cruise is a hitman. Um, they're talking and he goes, uh, first time in LA. He goes, nah, I've been here before. I can't stand the city whatever. And, you know. He, and then so they're just doing back and forth. And then he, Cruz brings up a story about how um, he heard that there was at one time where someone died in the subway and no one, people would sit down and whatever, and, and no one noticed that he was dead. They just thought he was sleeping. And so this body was going around uh, LA for over six hours before someone finally found out that it, that, person's dead and he's using that as an example of how um you know disinterested people are with each other in this city and why he doesn't like cities generally and uh of course that plays later um you know at the end uh with with the the film so so that was a little interesting uh story i felt especially how it plays out at the end and i was kind of bummed because uh um vincent's the best character ever I want him to continue going on. I want to see more movies with him. But
3: well, given the rate at which Tom Cruise ages, there's no reason that 20 years later you can't do a prequel. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, he's doing. I mean, he has another Top Gun
3: coming out, right? That's, that's right. right. Yeah, but that's supposed to be him older. He's right, but prequel, he looks the same. Gun, although he probably. Could.
1: You look at Kelly McGillis. she looks like a 60 something year old, while Tom Cruise is still looking 20.
2: Yep. Yes, it's it's got to be the Scientology. Yeah, uh,
1: no, no, though there, there's uh, yeah, I mean you know it's, it's faith, maybe whatever. he's born with it.
2: Maybe it's Scientology.
1: Either way, it's something. Whatever he's doing, it's it's working for him.
2: <laughs> it is indeed. Do you know how much money this man has to
3: have? Holy shit! <laughs> Well, given that he produces most of these films under blockbusters, Well, um, and has
2: been since the 80s.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. Since he, I was well,
3: I think produces 13. Other
1: people's, yeah, he produces <laughs> other people's films too, I think too. So so he's making fortune. Yeah, you know, he's he's got his own company.
3: He's got dime, dude. He's got dime. What was the first movie he was in? Was it Losing It or was it uh Risky Business? Uh, uh, no, Risky Business was uh, after uh, that. The Outsiders.
1: Was it Outsiders?
2: Losing It was before Rick's that. Risky business. Right. He was also was, the outsiders. In taps. Oh, oh, taps. He's in the taps. outsiders. Endless in love is his first taps. credit. Oh, okay. I thought it was taps. You remember? You remember? Taps is after the endless psycho.
1: love. Yeah. Yeah. He, he actually played a psycho in that too. That was that's right. Yeah, he went nuts. He
3: actually had a pretty uh, wide range. He's only of worth about five hundred and seventy billion. million. Uh, million. So he's oh, is that, that big. it. Which which is is I probably mean, less than two. It, it's 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 not Paul McCartney money. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Swift
1: it. has makes more money than all of them. Who cares? Nobody likes Taylor I'm, Swift. Um, Three hundred and sixty making...
3: million. Who's that? Taylor Swift. No, oh no shit. That's, all... uh, that's she's a loser she's... compared to Tom
1: Cruise. Yeah, that's not as much as I thought. That's kind of difficult.
3: well. She's only been doing it for like ten years. How long has she four, been around? Four, Fourteen years. Fourteen years. Fifteen years. Okay. Tom Cruise has been doing this for for over thirty. Um, <laughs> yeah. So give her time. <laughs> yeah yeah. actually i think he's done he's about 40 yeah over 40 years now
1: when you think about it because taps wow. was in 1979 or something
3: No, it was later than that but not it
1: Was long. 81 yeah actually yeah, yeah so, that's, so that's yeah, So he's been years. doing it 39
3: years at least he's been tom cruise since risky business which i think was 83
2: mm-hmm. yeah it was
3: but back to this movie
1: no matter how great Tom Cruise is, and we want to talk just about Tom Cruise, uh, we, we
3: should. Well, the point is that he's, what, is, what works for him is that he's smart with who he works with, right? And so he picks good directors to work with. He picks good projects to work with most of the time. We won't mention yeah. The Mummy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's not going to work with someone he doesn't want to work with. You know, clearly he wanted to work with, with like, Steven Spielberg to do War of the Worlds. He wanted to work, I'm sure, with Uncle Report, too. Minority and minority report, report right. That's
1: right. That's right. Yep. Oh yeah, his his choice of directors is great. Even the one that uh he did uh, Jack Reacher with, um and I forget the guy's name, but, but he he's he's oh, a quarter quarter man or something like that. He's good too. And he's so the also, one who did all the impo- Mission Impossible with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Christopher McQuarrie. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's awesome. He's a great screenwriter. He he wrote he wrote Edge of Tomorrow. As a matter of fact. Cool. Um yeah, so, uh, and let's see who... But back who to this movie. God, Phil, why do you... Keep oh, Doug, there it is. There us. it is. This is. why I was going to say Doug. <laughs> Doug Lyman, who's awesome. One of the, another great director that everybody forgets. So, yeah, he's worked for all the good ones. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Not all of them, but a lot of
1: them. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: anyway, back to collateral. Yeah, um, to- yeah so... uh let's talk about the music a little bit because Phil was talking about how he how it was uh, like I would not even compare this to a Quentin Tarantino movie uh, because Quentin Tarantino scores work and I didn't think that this one did particularly um, or at least the soundtrack rather than the score um, like it did like even at the beginning of the movie uh, like I turned to Dan and I said what the Fuck is this jazz music about? And he was like, "I have no idea, man. I was about to say something." Uh, <laughs> and it turns out, jazz ties into the story later on. Exactly. But it was a really weird piece of music to have playing in, in over that particular scene. Um, and then we got some grunge later on, oh, and we got
1: Paul whole, It was just was a
2: very eclectic mix of songs that that I I. As, not as fond of as as you are, Phil.
1: Yeah, I thought it was awesome, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it it depends. Um, I I mean, I, I don't know. I, I felt well. He he has an interesting um, music in his films. Anyway, I mean the score, and then I felt the, the the songs did work because they they fit with the the actual scenes. You know, obviously Paul Oakenfield in the Korean. Um, nightclub where where they're doing a rave that made sense and then you got the jazz because like like we said you know the jazz club's coming up and they, and they have the big story about um uh, uh miles davis and stuff so so i you know, I, I i felt it worked differently than quarantine tarantino's i mean obviously you're, you're fair enough when you say that you know the comparison may be a little different because tarantino uses them to a different effect but i felt this film used it specifically um more well you know I should have said it was more like a, a Scorsese films like like Goodfellas the music in that film where it was you know, like I still very haven't seen Goodfellas that's a oh, platform. oh my god dude it's the best film ever. best
3: film ever i heard good things
1: yeah oh yeah oh yeah it's awesome
3: yeah I think I'd, most I mean I never found the music unlike Tarantino uh or uh in the a lot of the music in Goodfellas where it really uh, took over, where like it, it just was blaring the what the and said to it was mostly background music, hmm. uh, the exception being in the nightclub, where it makes sense for it to do that. Uh, right. sort of, was awesome. Uh, but but Open honestly, field. that felt like weirdly out of, a little bit out of place, a little bit self indulgent, uh, and I don't know if that was necessarily if. That's Michael Mann. Who's maybe he's a jazz enthusiast, or um, oh, you're talking about
1: that the, nightclub. I thought you meant the, the Korean nightclub. No, that's or okay. if he was oh, in the, no, no. Uh, the jazz club. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. The, the that was club. one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Damn uh, right.
3: Or or if um,
1: yeah, I, I agree with you. In the jazz, it was a little bit of Michael Mann, like or or the screenlight a of, of Beatty or whatever his name is, into a topic so much that they kind of focused on it. So right, indulgent. Like man,
3: or the writer so yeah, I don't know if it's in a the little script indulgent. like that it I, does play, play into yeah. it because the whole idea of improvisation right and that's the one thing like that is not who Jamie Mann's character is he is not in someone who improvises
2: well and maybe I, Max, I yeah. enjoyed the reveal uh, at the end of the conversation um, because at first I thought that maybe Vincent was just trying to get Max to chill the fuck out and maybe if they stopped and had a drink um the rest of the night would go more smoothly and then they're having that whole conversation about jazz and then uh, i forget what the line is but Vince Vincent drops a line that makes the club owner know about the, the people that he
1: knows from for um...
2: sure that he's there to kill him and you see the smile fade from his face and then you're like oh no <laughs>
3: <laughs> right right
1: Right, yeah, he makes yeah, a that, line
3: about the cartel not about the cartels, but the name of the cartels. I'll have to let my people know from Cartagena, I think he says. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah Cartagena out of Columbia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. And that's
3: yeah. when he knows the, the, the jig is up. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, and cool. and we were like Jamie Foxx. We assumed we were there just for a nice touristy moment, right? I want to go visit this jazz club. Right, uh-huh. right, yeah.
1: Yeah, because we didn't know that man, the, you know, the the trumpet player was on the list. Right. Right. We thought it was just, you know, the guy was taking a break from his uh, his job for the evening, you know, and then mm-hmm. we find out it is the job. Right. Yeah. And but you know what's funny is, Cruz's character knew as much about the jazz and miles davis's life as the as um the trumpet player which was great right. cool. more actually yeah more exactly yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. and that, that and uh the scene before too the, the one where the jamie fox is tied to the steering wheel and he gets the the people to come and h- try to help him and then he finds out he got that you they're criminals too yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah when Cruz comes down and does two in the chest and one in the head uh-huh. that was awesome and again that was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Now there's for, a point violence, in the movie
2: I can't remember in the sequence of events is it after the club uh when uh he snatches the bag and makes a run for it?
3: Uh it's at the hospital. Uh, it's the hospital, yeah. Okay. The mother because he gets pissed okay. because the
1: mo- he's playing him and embarrassing him in front of his mother. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And and he's also feeling bad about himself because he's Fine, you know, you know, so he says, That's it. I'm out of here. Fuck you, Vincent. See, I
2: probably wouldn't have made that particular choice. I think, like, pissing off a guy with a gun is probably a bad idea. (laughs) Especially if if you do it on purpose.
1: (laughs) yeah. Yeah, well, you know what's weird about that scene, too? Because well, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, there's nothing he could do. I was gonna say, why doesn't he just report him? and Say this guy has a gun on me. But then again, he was worried that Vincent was gonna shoot his mother. I think. I don't know. I don't know, man. But like, I was
2: like, it made no sense to me that at that time, because because what happens is he he grabs Vincent's bag out of the cab and starts hauling ass, and Vincent starts chasing him, and eventually he ends up on a footbridge over the highway, and and throws the bag out onto the highway where it gets destroyed by traffic and like the fact that Vincent didn't shoot him during that whole thing was a little weird to me. It felt a little uncharacteristic seeing that he blew those two other guys away and had no real reason for it other than getting his bag back. Uh, Like, I don't understand why he didn't just blow Max away at that point in time.
1: Right. Right. Because he, at that point, or at least have Max get, the new uh, list and then blown away after that
2: or something. Well, and maybe because, that was his plan is to blow him away after that, but that's not how things laid out.
1: Well, yeah, because basically what happens is, is that after Max destroys the computer and, and all that, um, Cruz needs the list again because, you know, he didn't have it on his cell phone or anything. It was like intentionally in the, a little computer that was in the, the briefcase so there would be no tracing and it was from um uh, the the cartel and basically the cartel is going to be smoked by the federal government so the cartel wants to eliminate all all the people so the prosecutor um the the doubles the people that are going to be witnesses the the backstabbers and whatever so that's the list of the five people uh so Cruz needs the list again And so, you know, the only way he's going to get him to get the list again is have Fox, Max's character, go get the list from the drug cartel again. Because this guy here, Vincent, doesn't show his face to the clients ever because he's hired through the third party, you know, through these Mm -hmm. fixture companies. So he doesn't want to show his face. Um, And so he has to send... Max in to do it, which is a pretty good scene by his, by the way. But afterwards you you think he would have killed Max right then after he, he got the new uh, thumb drive. And then after killing Max, you just go to another cab.
2: I don't know, That's... man. I, I don't know how, how contract killers think. So... Yeah. <laughs> but... I will say I enjoyed the scene where Max went in and pretended to be Vincent to get the new information uh, and then offered the client a 35% discount. <laughs> that was pretty fucking funny. It was a little yeah. passive aggressive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and I, actually I think that partly could have uh, caused uh, the mob, uh, or I should say the cartel, to follow them later to the Korean club because it showed weakness and incompetence. Mm, hmm You know, he was trying to be a cool ass and passive aggressive as you said, Mike. But I think that was the moment that uh Banderas' character not Banderas, what a dumbass. Um Bardem. Bardem, yeah, they're they're both from Spain, so I always I screwed him up. Uh Bardem's character um says all right, we, we gotta go. We we gotta make sure this this guy doesn't f it up. So I need you to follow him. And I think that was the moment that. Otherwise, I don't think they were gonna have him follow. But I don't know. Your point. What <laughs> your your opinions?
3: I hadn't really thought about it.
1: Right. Um.
3: I think it, yeah. I think it showed weakness. I think he didn't show the confidence uh, and professionalism that they probably were expecting. Right. Um, you know, he shows up. He's kind of, you know, disheveled. Uh, he's unsure. He's hesitant. He finds himself in the conversation.
2: Right by the end uh,
3: of it. Yeah, and he bs's his way out of it. You know, and good for him for being able to do that. And that six years thing really paid off. That yeah, right. Because right, he, he asked Tom Cruise, because he's trying to stall, so he's just asking him bullshit questions, right. uh, including some of the same questions Tom Cruise had been asking him earlier uh-huh, uh, right. about his job. Like, is there dental <laughs> <laughs> or whatever? Is there, is there insurance? <laughs> is there, uh... right. um, And, you know, he says, well, how long have you been doing it? He's been doing it for six years, which I'm curious if it was in, meant anything that he's been doing it exactly half as long as uh, he's been a cab driver
1: right yeah um, oh and another another good line too that he tells bardem he starts he basically cruises character vincent is earlier in the film was saying you know this is this is all crappy this is fey quen or, or Fo Quinn or something it was some weird thing and then fox max's character starts saying the same quote inside the the, a club to oh, buy He goes.
3: Is, is this like this? Is like the I Ching. This is like yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. So, so he's using anything and everything that he he thinks Vincent would do to <laughs> to you know get out of there with the new list. I guess mm-hmm.
3: this is evolution. This is the I Ching. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Um,
2: so let's, yeah, go i gotta ahead. say the like the one scene in the movie that I really didn't enjoy all that much uh was the nightclub scene, I mean not the jazz club but the the nth, 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 night, nightclub scene oh, the- the crane scene you didn't like that scene <laughs> nah that was the best scene of the movie I, I think I agree yes, yes.
3: i think i have I had two problems with the with the that scene one is that I think it went on too long. Right. Oh, hey, that could have gone on for
1: the whole movie. It would have been
3: awesome. <laughs> so I think given who Cruz's, I mean, now maybe just given who Cruz's character was, it it, it just, it, it's way too sloppy. Um, There's, so, <laughs> there's, I mean, admittedly, there are other people involved there besides Tom Cruise. But, you know, this is a guy who's like, I don't want to, I, I don't get seen. Well, I think there's a shitload of people who saw him there. Right, right. It was um, a little public. Yeah, just a to touch. <laughs> So I find, yeah, I found it really hard to believe he would have tried to pull the assassination off in that public location, given or I mean, obviously, he probably had to improvise, but probably was not his plan to go into the nightclub and just start and shoot. Right.
1: Well, I don't think it would have happened. The problem was, is four groups of people came to the club at the exact same time. It's all the cops fault. Defund the police. The FBI showed up. The LA police department detective shows up. The cartel shows up. Vincent and Max show up. And then you have the Korean mob there, too. So you have five groups that literally come together at the exact same time. And had none of them been there,
3: Vincent would have been in and out. Right. Uh, probably. And it yeah. does kind of. And again, it just may very well have been him yeah. having to deal with a situation that was not of his making. Um, but even so, I still think it was a lot of shooting random people we don't give a shit about in that whole sequence. I think they could have shaved a minute or so off of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, so right.
3: sure. No, no,
2: no, no, no. Tell You're out,
1: phil no. no, no, no. Yes, it's a fact. You are. Dude, was, it was Hockey a seven wins. minute, seven minute and fifty second scene. <laughs> yeah, and it should I, have been five. I, I watched it seven times the like, other night after watching it the first time.
2: Oh my God! What is the matter with
1: you? It was awesome. It's Tom Cruise. He's taking out all the bad guys. It was awesome. It was great.
0: Um, there you
1: go. <laughs> oh, and it was playing Oakenfield, dude. Come on! That it was like the perfect storm. It was. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Are you over it yet? Yeah. So.
2: Okay. <laughs> so where they go after
1: the after
2: the n- n- nightclub?
1: Um. This is the the part. Oh, oh, that was great. And and then he takes out uh Ruffalo's character. That was hilarious <laughs> because you think he's going to be the hero, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he gets taken out. It's like. Oh, that was unexpected. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, he, that was before he was really, really famous. So,
1: <laughs> true, 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 true. Oh, oh, I, I love that. Uh, What's his face? Uh, who's actually in all of Michael Mann's films? Um, D-Day, D-Day was was the FBI agent. Okay. From From Animal House, D-Day. I
2: I, I saw Animal House once a long time ago.
1: Oh my god, dude! You got thats the best. I almost chose no, it's not Animal the House movie. as as this this episode. That's what are you talking you about? Know. It's the best film ever, dude. No, it's Animal... not. Mike, Mike, Mike. Am I right? Animal House is one of the best, right?
3: It, it is a good film. I I wouldn't say it's you know the best. Harold Ramis, dude, he wrote it. Come on, this
2: is great. Animal I House. Dude. Understand that? Oh well, now my opinion has changed, Phil.
1: Oh, if I do yet. Animal House is awesome, dude. It's like the best comedy in the history of the world. Eh. I've, I've watched it hundreds of times. Dude, I, I did a trivia, and the topic was Animal if you House. If you've watched I, it a hundred of times, what? that might explain some things about you. Well, I, I did do that with three billboards, right? Remember? I, I watched it like 20 times in, in two weeks. Remember that? <laughs> Those got mental problems. I the OCDs, dude. You're I a your health individual. You know, I mean, it's a good, it's it's uh, entertaining. You know, I, I can as long, be watching.
2: You're hours. having a good time.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> well, you're act, having a good time and not hurting anybody else. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um. So this film here. Uh. Back to this film here. So um. Yeah. This the third act. I think was the weakest part of the film, unfortunately, because it was more of a chase and run versus the the um psychological um part of the, the f- first two acts and the awesome set pieces like like the korean nightclub and the alley and the jazz club i like the and, office scene honestly
2: i like some of, i just <laughs> enjoyed the beauty of some of those shots in the dark in the office where you see the the city lights
1: yeah that's that's fair that's fair yeah yeah. Oh, and I, and, but you know what? It, it was definitely, I don't know. It was weird. Again, this is where, like Mike said about Cruz in the, or I should say Vincent in the Korean club, nightclub. He was kind of sloppy in this part too. I felt it was out of character a little bit. Well, and maybe
2: it was just his time. Maybe he was just done. Yeah. I
1: think by this point, everything has yeah, unraveled. The, yeah, after the car accident. Yeah.
3: Yeah, because Jamie Fox did the improvise. He did, did something that he was not expecting. Um, I love the fact that um, they weren't wearing seatbelts. They both weren't. We've all seen the the scene where like the driver is held hostage and he s- slowly slips the seatbelt on. And uh-huh. then crashes the car and the, the the person with the gun then, of course, goes through the windshield and, ah, ah you know, we've seen that. You should have worn your seatbelt uh-huh. because God knows they still don't have airbags in movie cars. Uh, <laughs>
2: uh, well, they, but, they did it in the last Action
1: Hero. Yes. but I haven't uh, seen that film, so I, I can't say.
3: I haven't seen it. I saw it once. Oh, like Animal okay. House and Eric. Oh, you've there's only there's seen there's Animal there's House once? There's a, there's no, a I've scene. seen it Sorry, I said, and Eric. Like, oh, uh, there's and there's and a scene
2: where Arnold Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger picks a car because he knows it has an airbag and intentionally gets in a head-on collision. And the reason it's memorable is that he then gets out of the car and goes, Oh, damn it, that hurt!
1: Arnold wasn't I guess always, it was a good... I, I'll have to watch it. I, that, I mean, it's supposed to be a pretty good film, so i got to watch it. It's, it's better than
2: its reputation. I'm not going gotcha. to claim it's a great film, though. Sure,
3: sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one thing I remember about the film is that, you know, those people looking for continuity gaps... Uh, oh, in oh, the oh, film. oh, speaking of it's which, very I found deliberate.
2: one in this movie. Yeah. Uh, there's a shot when... And Susie noticed it too. Uh, there's a When they're driving in the cab, it's after uh, the guy falls on the cab and, yes. and cracks the windshield. Uh, there's a shot where uh, it's through the windshield from the side so you can see Jamie Foxx, and the windshield is no longer broken. Um, just for like a two-second shot. Uh, it goes by quick, but I, I saw it and I was just like, wait a minute, was the, and Susie, Susie goes, yeah, I saw
3: it too. <laughs> where, where was this? Or when was this? Were, I don't know, but was, I'm like, let me rephrase that. Where was the camera?
2: The camera was off to the passenger side of the car. So you were uh, inside the car. Shooting through the windshield at Jamie okay. Fox.
3: All right. Because I kind of noticed shortly after, like right before they get pulled over.
2: Okay.
0: I
3: thought I saw. I, I might just have been something I missed, but I, it seemed like there were a couple of shots where the, the car wasn't damaged. It might have been the lighting and the angle.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, now th- this was this was after they they'd been pulled over. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, just that I, that came into my bed when we were talking about continuity stuff. I was proud of myself for spotting it because it wasn't it wasn't like it was on screen for two minutes or whatever it was just a quick couple second shots of of jamie fox delivering a line
1: and um susie noticed it too yeah she did right right interesting didn't ruin the movie for you did it
2: no 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 i was excited for spotting a continuity error because that was right. that was back when the internet was in its infancy and there weren't like uh all sorts of boards on Reddit dedicated to finding continuity errors.
3: Where you couldn't <laughs> right. find bootlegged 4K streaming like if somebody spotted a Starbucks released. Like if somebody, version, if it, like if somebody yeah, the... started
2: s- saw a coffee cup and a scene that wasn't international fucking news, yeah.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um the the interesting thing is is that I'm surprised it slipped through because the editing received Academy Award nomination for this film. Mm-hmm. And they they dropped the ball. Eric, okay. you should have been...
3: Well, that's med- not really then. editing. That's... Editors work with what they're given.
2: That's true. And I'm sure if they'd had other coverage of Jamie Foxx delivering that particular line, they would have used that shot instead.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, And, and if they had seen it, they would have used computer graphics to fix it. Yes.
2: Uh, I suppose. He was now he speaking, of, speaking of speaking of editing, if you ever want to see some bad bad editing, um, watch on Her Majesty's Secret Service, the James Bond movie. I just watched that for the first time the other night, and there is some bad bad editing in that movie. Anyway, Which was
1: the, who was the Bond in that one? Was that uh, that's Conor's the one or that or George Lazenby?
2: Lazenby did?
1: Lazenby, gotcha.
2: And apparently, he's uh, the the Bond actor that couldn't fight. Um, because a ma- much of the bad editing is trying to shoot around the fact that it's not him doing the fighting.
1: <laughs> gotcha. um, let's see, let's see. Well, it's good that he, he stunk because it brought us Roger Moore. <laughs> um, now, uh, uh, back to this movie here. Um, what was your opinion of the third act, Mike? Because Eric said he kind of
3: enjoyed it a lot. I liked it. I think it brought everything together, going down to them finishing on the subway, but, you know, Jamie the bringing in final act, uh, tying together why Tom Cruise was there at the beginning of the film. Um, I, I kind of liked the fact that they made sure he was, uh, after he crashed the car, that he was helped by a donut cop, you know, so that <laughs> Right. Like when he because because you had because if he was like pulled over like the guys that pulled him over earlier in the film, I don't think he would have been able to to get away from those guys.
2: By the way, this is clearly Officer
3: Wakeham's who pulled him over.
2: Yeah. Dan actually caught this. Uh, One of the cops that pulled him over at the beginning of the film uh, now plays the the uh, police captain on the show, The Rookie.
1: Oh, Oh, uh, the the one that Fox beats up.
2: Uh, what? The
1: no, 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 Fox no, no, no,
2: no, no, the other cops at the beginning of the movie.
1: Oh, the ones that Cruz was gonna have to. Yeah, kill. the one
2: that comes up to the driver's side is now uh, that actor plays the captain on the rookie.
1: Who's that? Is that the white guy or the black guy? Uh, the black dude. Gotcha. Yeah. Never seen the rookie.
2: It's a pretty good show.
1: Gotcha. Oh, uh, another cool scene—the the coyote scene. That—that that actually. Uh, since the director's commentary, I have the the, the Blu-ray for this film because it's awesome. Oh,
2: I have not <laughs> watched that with commentary. That would be interesting. Oh yeah, you got you got it.
1: Um, it's by Michael Mann himself, and uh, the coyotes were um flukes. They they, they actually were wild coyotes that were nice. walking across the street, and he. Well, I know there are
2: there are coyotes in California that just wander city streets. It's weird. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: yeah well, I, I, I was, was wondering about that because that felt. Weird, the way oh, right. it was shot was weird, and uh-huh. it, it, it it compared to the rest of the film. And I was wondering, uh, was sort of like Stand By Me, the scene with the deer on the train tracks was just a pickup shot because the deer was standing on the train tracks, uh-huh. right. uh, and the whole thing was kind of improv. And I was kind of wondering if the coyote scene was something similar, and because indeed it, it, it was so weird out of because man is very stylized in the way he films his movies, um, right. and this seemed to break his typical style. I don't know what it was. Right. Yeah, basically they just had to get the cameras
1: out ASAP and say, stop filming! Right. That type of thing. Um, He also used a uh, type of camera, digital camera, uh, as well. Yeah, this uh, is back
2: when digital photography was not the standard yet.
1: Right, right. And so it was very weird, and and, um, he had to fight the producers. But it allowed him to take shots like, like that coyote shot. Is what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, that he wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Um, what else? Uh, also, I thought I thought that was a good scene too because the, the expression on Cruz's face when he sees the coyotes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I felt showed something about his character where he could see the coyotes. I don't know. It was just something where, where he knew his life was was meaningless. And, and again, he, he already knew that he, he kind of mentioned it earlier by him being a nihilist, but I think he really didn't want to be the life he was in. I don't think again, yeah. and again, he talks about how he was beaten up by his father and all this other stuff. And then he killed, you know, so, so he, there was a lot of little hints there that made you, I felt made him humanized and oddly made him a little quote unquote weak or vulnerable I should say as a human being um rather than the monster that his actions did or, or or what he did as as for actions which made him a monster um so that's the reason why I don't think he was the true dirtbag that he was I mean he's a dirtbag because he's going to go to jail and all that but he's like like a Darth Vader where he he knows he's wrong even though he's doing it
3: no, I mean I think the fact here's the thing. He's he's a professional. He's going around. He's murdering people, but he's murdering strangers, right? He's murdering yep. and and guys that mostly are criminal scum. But he's murdering criminal scum except for the the prosecuting attorney. Uh, but he's murdering criminal scum who are in, as a uh, in order to help bigger criminal scum. So I can't even give him credit for that, right? He's not some like you know uh, Charles Bronson well, well, running around. Well, he's but, not
1: just killing, killing criminals. He's also killing a prosecutor. And I said and that, and there's those, the
3: prosecuting yeah, attorney. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the other thing that I have an issue with is that he's spending the entire night with these, with these cab drivers. I'm assuming this is his M.O. Yeah. Right. Um, and getting to know them as people, right? He's having conversations with this guy. He's offering him you know, promises of money that we all know he ain't going to pay. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? That's probably the three hundred dollars cash he had. He was never seeing the other four hundred he was promised. Um, you know, oh, i
1: he's a good guy, but I, I think no, he's not. Human- That's what I said. I said I'm, I said I don't think he's a good guy. But the point of the script was trying to show that he he to humanize him and I and was trying to make you kind of feel sorry for him.
3: I don't feel sorry for him. They humanize him. I think they do a good job of humanizing him. Uh, and giving us uh, some things about it that we like, and I also think part of it is that they give us the uh, the promise at the beginning, right? They give us the promise of five stops. Well, he's like Michael, kind of, Michael Coleone, right? Well, and they give it, but and then and it references it at the end, where he said, "I know you're good at math." He said, "Where are we going? You know you're good at math. We've killed four people. I'm supposed to kill five. <laughs> You know, so when you tell the audience, we're going to kill five, we have to get to that final person, whether or not that final person will be killed. We have to see who that fifth person is, because it would drive the audience freaking nuts if we never found out who that first first fifth person was he was supposed to kill. Um, so you kind of want to see him succeed because we want to see we want to see all that that carnage. We want to get to all five. We were promised five. We want five. Yeah, you know, so I think that's also a thing that kind of gets us a little bit weirdly rooting for him. Um, but I mean, the guy, the guy's a bad guy. He's not. He, he is. He is. The, the fact that he could spend the night with Jamie Foxx and murder him in the morning, which he was going to do, not after he do, Jamie Foxx does all the shit like throw his bag away and flip the car. If Jamie Foxx has sat in the car and done everything he was told to do, he was still going to get shot the next morning. Right. right. Um, that's what makes him a sociopath or, or betrays the fact that he's a sociopath. Uh, um, uh,
1: and, and yet, and yet I, I think he has enough to know that he doesn't want to be in this life even though it's a life he's chosen.
3: I don't know. He seems perfectly fine with this life. I see nothing in his eyes that's regret. I, I didn't get anything in this film that made me think he was regretting his choices in life.
2: Yeah, I, I got to go with Mike on that one.
1: All right, I'll give you that. But I, I think, is life based based off of what we learn, kind of sort of about his childhood and all this other stuff. He's not happy. So yeah. even if he's if he's doing these terrible things. Then, well, I, I, you know what, my, Michael Mann kind of is, is on my side, so I'm going with the director over you, Mike. But the point oh, is, okay. is that the point is, is that I felt that sorry for the character, even if he was an evil bastard. Oh, that's because you're a sociopath. Uh no, I. I yeah, you enjoy I, the heat. I, I think <laughs> I got also Michael like oh, Mann film. By the way, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mike. Okay. <laughs> I didn't
2: think about that. You're right. Heat is also a Michael Van film. That is true.
1: Um, So I I felt that. uh, Yeah, I mean, he made the choices, whatever, but I, I don't know. I still think they were trying to show enough humanity in him that. Yeah, I mean that's what you know. Like we see in a lot of shows, like Dexter and and Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad. you see humanity. The guy has a sense
3: of humor. I love the way he teases, um, uh, Jamie Foxx's character. You know, there's you know, like jokes around. You know, I don't have enough room in the trunk. There's not that much. But that's the reason
1: why we like. Right, right. I see. But he's not a good. I'm just saying. It's
3: I don't. I never get the sense that he's sad about what he's doing. I never get the sense that he has. Any remorse, you know, I don't get this, you know, that he's, that there's any ambiguity in terms of of, of his morality.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know, I, I guess I just, that whole story about the father and then him becoming, and, and even saying it to Jamie Fox at the end, that he's becoming the guy that's going to be riding around for the next seven hours and no one's going to know that he's dead. I think... And then just being a nihilist, I, I just think if you're you're right, Mike, at least you, you can still feel sorry for him.
3: I could feel sorry for him as a child. I don't necessarily feel sorry for him as an adult. Um, <laughs> it's sort of like you know your Batman villains. Lots of people get disfigured in accidents. They don't all decide to poison the waters of Gotham City. You know. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm, I'm, he had I a bad be- childhood. I'm sorry, he had a bad childhood. He's decided to become a sociopathic killer on the side of criminals. You know, he, he didn't go into working in black ops.
1: Oh, oh, there's uh, no doubt that, that he. Should, I've always said the same thing about Darth Vader. He should have been a war criminal executed. There shouldn't have been any like feeling sorry for him or nothing. It's a mass murderer, <laughs> killed Adler. Fuck him. And <laughs> but but that doesn't mean he's ain't cool. Just like Cersei's is cool, and and Aaron Trout is cool, and. And and the, the lead in Breaking Bad is cool. And Anton Chigurh is cool. And Vincent is cool. There's good villains, dude. you got to like some villains. You know what I'm saying? Darth Vader, he's cool. Well, here's yes. the thing. But Just but because uh,
2: uh, you're mixing up the words cool and good, they're they're different. Right. I won't disagree with any of the people you just listed off who are cool, but they're
1: not good. <laughs> right. right. <So laughs> I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if we like Aaron Trout, or whatever, yeah. He's still he's still evil. He's still a bad guy. Yeah. Yep, that's true. That's true. And even in there, you, you feel sorry for him because of his fate and and his choices and all that too. And yet, it doesn't matter. He's still a bad and evil guy. So you're right. Maybe maybe I'm confusing a great character for a sympathetic you're, character. You're
2: arguing a point that isn't being argued with you. Nobody's <laughs> like, yeah, objecting you're, really to what you're saying. You just yeah, that's, phrased it wrong the first time.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was rephrased. It was re- yeah, yeah, yeah. This this movie gets me a little excited. It's awesome. I, so, you I, don't say. I hadn't noticed. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's cool. <laughs> Tip. Tip. Um, let's see. Well, let's see. Uh, what are the scenes that we we have forgotten? Have we, have we forgotten? Well, anything? there's the there's the whole chase through the office
2: building. I yeah. thought it was a little weird. I and and this is just my semantic brain kicking in. I thought it was a little uh-huh. weird that Tom Cruise hacked through an electric line with an axe and it just took out the one floor. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hmm. Uh uh, whatever. <laughs> Because I'm yeah, not sure that would work so cool. like
3: that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I I don't. I, not, you don't have belief in Scientology and the the powers of the mind that that gives you. <laughs> I guess. Is you know what? Electricity. I,
1: I, I would think that um, if I worked in an office building, I, I would have to talk to the electrician.
3: Well,
2: it might yeah. be possible to do a think in order to get it to work, you would have to have very detailed schematics about how the electric is laid out for that building and I don't think Tom Cruise had that as part of his little info packet. <laughs> it's just a little thing I noticed not nothing nothing
1: no earth shattering thing here just a just a little note um right. you know what I, I'm gonna probably do that. Go in the office once COVID is out just for, for a day and go talk to electrician and say, How do you blow the line phone lines and electricity in this office? And he's With gonna an look max. at mics. And he's gonna go, so like, Why are you why are you asking this? <laughs> well just arrested. I just wanna see see because I saw a movie. <laughs> right. Sure you saw a movie. <laughs> Goof. <laughs>
0: <sighs> no but no. after
2: the uh after he kills the lights at the office they're, they're chased her out of the office and there was a moment while we were watching the movie uh there's a moment where uh tom cruise is chasing her and uh trips over a chair uh and falls down and then gets back up and t- started chasing her and uh and dan goes oh that looks like it hurt and I said, you know what, and knowing what I do about Tom Cruise, I bet you he did that himself, too. And lo and behold, I looked it up on IMDb. One of the trivia points is that, yes, Tom Cruise did indeed fall there, and it was not planned. Uh, but Michael Mann liked it, so he kept it in the movie.
1: <laughs> that, 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 I know, it looked so real. I thought, well, that's pretty good acting. Uh-huh. It, was real. It, was real. it wasn't It was acting. He fell the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that was awesome yeah because that was hilarious it was and, and it fit perfectly for the scene because at that point as you said mike he's unwound now and he's sloppy and he's almost a caricature of the coolness that he was earlier so it it makes sense that it works even if it was unintentional. Well, and,
2: and and i think like uh what really unraveled him was jamie jamie fox crashing the cab uh yeah he never thought that he would have the balls to do anything like that. And so it, it it shocked him and he was probably still in shock from the accident too. Uh, And then he had to go try and finish his mission and all, it was all just a little more than he could handle.
1: Right. Right. And well, and that's the thing is that usually these things go smooth and go the correct way. And he probably never thought of, Someone he's, speeding he's 100 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, it, and this is completely diverse from the situation where a guy snaps and starts driving 120 miles an hour down streets going through red lights and is willing to crash a car.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a wrinkle he hasn't hit before.
1: No, yeah. 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 So even any st- statistician. Wouldn't have even have been able to predict that. <laughs> right. oh. um, let's see. Uh, um, I think this is the only film I've ever seen Jada Pinkett Smith or anything to TV, anything. I don't think I've ever seen her ever in anything else ever.
2: Oh, I've seen her in stuff. I just usually don't... Um. I usually don't recognize her. I usually see her names in the credits. Yeah, uh, I,
3: I Pam pointed out, isn't that Bill Smith's wife? Yes. Oh, she was in
2: Gotham. Mike, you probably watched that. Yes, that's right. Yeah, she was Fish.
3: Fish Maloney. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen that. Is that a villain, a Fish? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that show. I probably could, yeah, because it's on CW, right, or whatever. So, and it it's on, on so you, it was on Fox. Oh, yep. uh, Okay, then I, I don't know. Yeah, because I, I, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Then it's on Disney.
3: It's on Disney.
2: it's Disney, not uh, on Disney, it's on Netflix. That's where I caught it.
3: Oh, okay. So they have the rights to it still. It, it is a. It's. It was a aired on Fox, but it's because it's a uh, DC character. It's probably a Warner Brothers produced yeah. series. Right.
2: Maybe it's on HBO Max, then. It
3: might be HBO yeah, Max. Exactly. Yeah, because
2: HBO Max has all the CW shows. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho, sorry, I didn't mean to be the realist there. No, I no, trying no, to no, find no. other stuff she'd been in. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yep. Yeah. I do find it funny. There are these actors like Javier Bardem, like Mark Ruffalo, um, that... Were nobody's kind of back actually, then, or that?
1: Not true, not true. Javier Bardem was actually huge already in in Europe. Right, but, so he didn't matter. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, fair enough.
3: Fair enough. But, America, <laughs> fuck yeah. Fair, enough, fair enough. <laughs> but, but
1: yeah, he was already a, a leading man, uh, big time in on continental Europe.
3: Right, but he was not somebody that that we in the states would recognize. Right, um, right, right,
1: not until no country from Oldman. But I had already known who he was because I had seen some of his films. Well, good for you. Well, good for you.
3: <laughs> Christian Bale, one of the best. Anyway, continue, Mike. I'm sorry. Speaking of Christopher Nolan, yes. Um, but another one. Uh, did you spot one of the uh, thugs for Javier Bardem? Was yeah, is yeah, the... from Millions. I was I was gonna say the, the guy Myans. from Sons of Anarchy who plays the yeah, head of the, the Latin gang,
1: yeah yeah, yep that's exactly right the Mayans
3: because he has the or the Mayans he has the <laughs> still has the same exact code which is he's right. another now guy I that's
1: not H either yeah. yeah he's he's gotten like a little he heavier
3: stuff. yeah yeah that's true that's true he
1: he, he had uh, too many too many pizzas or tacos or. <laughs> Lamb kebabs or whatever he eats.
3: Just because he's Mexican doesn't mean he has to have tacos. He could have had pizzas. Racist? I said pizzas first. And then, and then so you nice. then you corrected yourself. Cause, <laughs> no, oh, wait. He's not Italian. Dude, I'm not Italian
1: either. And I eat pizzas. No, I like, think really Oh, jeez. Uh, dude, everybody likes pizza. This Mexican pizza. You ever <laughs> have Mexican pizza? That's good stuff. It is? It is. That's right. Um, but actually, um, as an actor, uh, I don't, I don't know if he's, I don't think he's from Mexico, dude. I think he's an American.
3: Oh, I have no idea. I just just don't particularly care. Right. Right. But either way, yeah,
1: he he was the guy from Mayans or as you said, sign of anarchy prior to that. Is Mayans still even on? Is that gone? Or is that gone?
3: I don't know. I know. I mean, it did two seasons and now like everything is. Cancelled for the fall because nobody was shooting anything because of fucking COVID.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's American. He's uh, uh, born in San Antonio, Texas. He's fifty-nine years old. Imagine that. but it makes sense because he looked pretty young there, and like you said, he's gained the pounds.
3: Well, many of us have over the years. Yeah, yeah, I got
1: the pizza belly, a little pizza.
3: Not
2: everybody belly. can be slim and felt like me.
1: There
3: you go.
2: Yep,
1: that's that's a good point.
2: This 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 is an audio podcast, so many people don't know what I look like. That was a joke. I am indeed not slim and svelte.
1: I understand. (laughs) Speaking speaking of slim and svelte, Sean Fox is slim and svelte.
3: Oh, indeed, he's he's
1: lost lost seventy pounds. Yep. Since since like March
3: or something, really yeah, in like a week. It feels like it's like every day he's posted up. It's like down five more pounds, and I'm just wondering if he's he keeps showing these like headshots. So I'm wondering if he's just like cutting off body parts. <laughs> he, he's actually finally done done. He's uh, just a torso now. <laughs> well, well, I, he, he's, our,
1: he's 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 he did the the the, self, the full full selfie the other day. Uh, clothes, so don't worry. And um, yeah, he, he's, uh, he is, still has all his body parts, I think. Unless. unless <laughs> I think. Yeah, well, so. you know,
2: with Photoshop, you never know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they they can do the photo. <laughs> yeah, good points. Yeah. Even my wife's been following his journey. Yeah. she, is, yeah, yeah, she, saw, hey, she I go, hey, Sean Fox Yeah, I saw her watching yeah. uh, So, um, anyway, uh, back to the movie. Um, we're having a
2: hard time staying on topic tonight.
3: I don't know why. <laughs> um, because no, it like and usually this happens, and and uh, we've been doing this for a long time, pretty much our <laughs> entire. So, what do you remember of the twenty tens podcasting? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, that's, that's it, and. <laughs> And so I think I've picked up enough that when this happens, often it's because it's a movie that we don't oh, we really all... want to talk about. And I don't think that's the case here. I think we both we all really love this film. Well, it yeah, is... but it's a little hard to talk about, though. Oh, I think we have. I think it's a very simple yeah. movie. Yeah, I think, you know, the the, th- the themes are laid out. Uh, uh I didn't count my three beats, so Chris, you will have to forgive me. <laughs> uh, um although I'm sure they're there. But
2: for all of you playing the drinking game out there, Mike just said it, so drink.
3: Yeah, there you go. Um but right, I mean like the the character arcs are well settled or or, or or well drawn out. Um a lot of the stuff they set up as we've already reference come back around and tie together neatly uh we didn't really talk a lot about the scene with the mom in the in the hospital you know again ship half thing that here's this guy is forcing him to go to his mother makes him buy flowers uh <laughs> um, befriends the mother and is planning on murdering her son in the morning All right <laughs> and she's asking if he'll see her again when he comes back
1: oh you know, you know what the best um, part was is that she she'll just insult us uh, about the flowers and says it's stupid, and so he hands her the flowers and she goes, "You why did you get these? They're just gonna die. This was just <laughs> stupid. Right. You wasted your money." And then he goes, "No, I didn't buy it. It's my friend Vincent." Oh, how lovely! I love the flowers. <laughs> that they was funny. That was
3: right. Awesome. And well, there are parents like that, and there's I, and I understand the perspective of the parents. know, that obviously was done for comedic effect. Um, but there's a difference. But, it's her son wasting money. She doesn't even give a shit if a stranger wastes money.
1: Well, also she she's a jerk. She she obviously right. throughout they've both had terrible parents. Both Vincent and and Max basically, and we're seeing it firsthand where Max is basically saying his mother kind of browbeats him, and sure enough, she's basically saying you're a loser. You're a loser. You know and.
3: It no, she a, thinks or, he's successful. She thinks he has a limo company, right? Having mean, all right, the
0: rich
1: and thats right—and it's all lies. But again, he said it's that lies because, so
3: that she doesn't think he's a loser, right? Because she obviously wasn't because too kind. he's right. He's looking for acceptance, Right. and well, right. that he wasn't getting from her, right? Right,
1: and he probably never will.
3: Right, and you know, there's 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 the parents who can see you and love you for the good things in you and then there's the parents who just only see your flaws. Yeah. You know, and she seems to be the more of the latter. Right.
1: Right. Right.
3: Yeah. Yep. She's a
1: miserable prick. <laughs> and I wouldn't doubt that she was in the hospital faking
3: it all. Wow. All right.
0: <laughs>
1: Back. I not way. Got to you gotta up,
3: hey, gotta put the put the, the accelerator right to the floor, don't you, Phil? Back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But Max didn't deserve that. <laughs> oh, there speak, is speak no of...
2: grave for Phil, just black and white.
3: <laughs> right, exactly. At, at least have served come... her right if her son got murdered the next day.
2: <laughs> she's a rotten person and she's faking it.
3: <laughs> That's right.
2: Oh, how about we not, uh, Max? She deserves to be murdered and have her entire family murdered.
1: <laughs> well, they are only characters in a book or, or a movie, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> In real life uh, I would I would uh, absolutely not. But but in, I love uh, I mean who cares about the movies? Kill them all.
0: Um, anyway, oh, uh,
1: except dogs, right? Yeah, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, at least real dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm editing uh Starlet today and and Mike goes So the rat in the movie and I was like, <laughs> Oh fuck six That's a terrible thing, like, terrible
0: <laughs> okay.
1: anyway uh, uh, anyway um, a good scene in this here that was kind of funny was when he tries to break into the building Max to save um, Annie mm-hmm. and he throws the, the garbage can and it doesn't do anything <laughs> it doesn't do anything right and he has to pull up the gun that he stole from the car yeah. I it was good. Okay. yeah glass is often a lot
2: stronger than people anticipate
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, especially that type of glass. It's not like that's
2: um, like the inch thick tempered shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: oh yeah.
3: L- a L- L.A. has to. You have to have that that shatterproof oh. glass in case, of, in case of the next riot. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I,
1: I was I thought you were gonna say earthquakes, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess the riots too. <laughs> but uh, uh, well, plus our businesses probably would want to have that type of glass just for the fact that uh, lawsuits and safety reasons and mm-hmm. things of that much. Um. Especially office buildings. <laughs> um let's see, uh what else? So uh what, yeah, what, what do you think of that? Uh uh Vincent's passing and, and I think uh uh Max, even though Max and him had this whole terrible night together, I think Max actually respected Vincent based off of that scene. Well so a to a
2: certain extent. Uh, he certainly he, he certainly had a bit of um I don't want to say admiration. That's the wrong word for it. Uh, Respect of his skills, for sure. Um, Because he had demonstrated that throughout the evening. Um, He probably didn't want to kill him, but didn't really have much of a choice. Um, And and I also think that Vincent respected Max and was pretty impressed that he was able to take him out.
3: Yeah. Right. Well, I think... It's yeah, because... weird. I think at the beginning, certainly, I think Vincent liked Max, but didn't really respect him. Uh-huh. Where I think that Max obviously kind of respected or admired aspects of of, of Vincent, certainly his ability to do things, his ability to, pardon the pun, pull the trigger. Uh-huh. Um, but obviously didn't like him. Oh, right, right. Um, because
1: he, he, he flipped over his docile life, right? I mean.
3: Well, he was murdering people. Right.
1: That's what I mean. It's, <laughs> it's like, that, that's the point. It's like, I, I'm being a hostage and a witness, and I don't want to be either of these things.
3: Well, that was certainly a part of it, but it was also the killing of people that I think he didn't like either. Dropping them on top of his car, right?
1: Absolutely. Well, well I mean, Matt,
3: Max wasn't is really so much, much that
2: somebody was dead, so much that it was messed up his car.
3: Well, in fairness, he was.
2: <laughs> he was very upset about his car, car being messed, messed up.
3: Yeah,
1: he, you know, the, the OCD, you know, the OCD. But uh, honestly, uh, Max, I think Eric is right. He he didn't. He wasn't planning to kill anybody, including Vincent, and and so that that wasn't. Something that was unintentional. I I don't know.
3: You know, really, you look at him, neat, organized, quiet, loner type. He might have been planning on murdering someone that night. We just never got the chance.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, the taxi driver killer.
3: Takes A lot of people disappear in L.A. You have a very large vagrant population. Um, A lot of homeless people, a lot of migrants. A
2: two to the max.
3: Yeah, I just thought ah, he was a shooter. He seems more like a, like, you know, take from home in your cab and tie him up in the basement type.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, he had a, a terrible or mother, right? Maybe he, he just got, goes he all back. The
3: maybe right, he mother had, issues? Probably he, went he to goes bed, back too. He
1: pretends to be Vincent
2: again and just takes over his life. Ooh, there you go. There you go.
1: Yeah. Um... I, I did like how they did not have the the sirens coming in the background, like a lot of films at the end, like the cops are coming all right, there you know the the coder happens and then you hear in the distance we wee, wee. thank God they didn't do that, well, that's not necessarily
2: bad as long as it's in situation where somebody would have called them, and this was not
1: right, right, but it always happens like after everything you after know, exactly. somebody
2: calls the police, yeah.
1: No, after the big action sequence at the end, then the cops. that's caused somebody over.
2: to call the police. Yes.
1: I, I okay. that fair, <laughs> but, but it, it's a cliche, and and it's too coincidental. It always is after, rather than during. Not really?
2: Generally, after crimes happen, is when people call the police.
1: Yeah, but not in action films, where where the the gunfire is continuous.
2: You don't think gunfire would make people call the police?
1: No, the cops would be show up when the gunfire is actually happening.
2: You think they're that fast?
1: In L.A., yeah, There's cops everywhere. There's a, they're, they're like at every every. Every,
3: they're at every, <laughs> oh, every block. There you go. There's a three beat for you. The uh, the indifference of the of the uh, L.A. populace. Oh, right. yeah. So you have tell Elvis because you have the story told at the beginning of the movie. Then you have Jamie yep. Foxx in uh, tied up to the steering wheel. Yeah. Yep. That's no horn. Yep. And then you have, of course, the tying a bow on it at the end on the subway uh, on the on the train. There you go. Three beats. Right? There's a three B. Got yep. one.
1: And you have the crisis. Something change.
3: Crisis because... character crisis conflict change. So crisis is indecision. Conflict is obviously, you know, having to make a decision to change. Becomes more decisive. (laughs) Learns to improvise.
1: All right. So anything else we need to talk about? Anyone?
2: (laughs) I think we need to wrap this up.
1: All right. That's fair. Uh, for listeners, uh, we'd like to hear your thoughts. Uh, discussions at com. Please uh, email your thoughts on Collateral and uh, this film and Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx and Michael Mann and anyone else. And uh, we will read your opinion on the podcast. So please do. discussions at AOL.com. Uh, before we give our final thoughts, though, uh, Eric, you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan.
2: I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Scantity Podcast. That's spelled A S K A N C I T Y. You can get it wherever you found this
3: one.
1: Excellent. And uh, Mike, me, you, Eric, and a few other folks do another podcast together?
3: Yes, we do. Uh, which one am I talking about? Because there's a few. Dark Discussions? The main one? The main one. The main podcast we do is Dark Discussions, now entering its ninth year, tenth year. Uh, we've
2: completed nine years
3: you've completed nine and a half years
1: nine
3: and a half years nine and a half years of okay so nine and a half years of dark discussion podcast we're approaching our 450th episode uh it is your place for the uh, discussion of horror films fiction films fiction and all that is fantastic only took me about seven of those years to learn that <laughs> um, uh you can find us on the web at darkdiscussions.com. you can join us at the facebook group and continue scintillating conversations such as these and tell us what you think about uh, collateral or hostels or inside out or um baby driver or any other films that we discuss here on cinema a la carte um and certainly if you want to you know what you can always throw out recommendations we do a rotational thing here where we Pick a movie, and next time it's going to be Eric's choice as to what that movie is. This time it was uh, Phil's choice. Previously it was mine, and then we continue like that. But hey, if you throw out a good idea, maybe one else will go, yeah, I like that. Let's do that movie. Let's do Animal House, or let's do Splash, or something else. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, Splash is a good one. Uh, Three Billboards. Or or Three Billboards. Fargo. Or Herbie... (laughs) goes to Monte Carlo. You whatever it means. Be- movies off for the rest of the night?
1: A View <laughs> to a Kill.
2: Best theme song ever.
0: I
1: am not a fan of that theme song. Oh, I love that film. Time I'm a, a sucker Robert, for Duran, Duran. Duran That's like one of my favorite Bond films. I actually think it is my favorite Bond film. A View to a Kill. It's a great film. I don't care what Mike says. I yeah. wouldn't call it a great film. I just said I like the theme song.
2: Entertaining film. Entertaining, yes.
3: I have not seen it in many years. It's one of the many Bond films I really need to revisit.
2: It features Christopher Walken and Grace Jones. What else do you need?
3: Well, I and know what it is. I've seen it. it. I saw it a lot when I was a teenager, but I have changed a lot since I watched it back <laughs> then. The world has changed a lot. I mean, you I know, know you
2: watch uh, I, I actually, I, I've been listening to another uh, podcast that's been talking about James Bond movies. Uh, so two notes here, as long as we're talking about it. I actually found A View to a Kill on uh, Apple TV. And if you purchase it for $15, I'm still undecided as to whether this is a price I'm willing to pay. Uh, but if you purchase it for $15, you get a commentary that features Roger Moore and Christopher Walken. Oh, that's awesome. And it might yeah, that's be worth fish. $15. Oh,
1: absolutely. <laughs> I think it is just for the fact the movie alone is, I mean, it's all a film, so it should only be like 10, but, but the movie alone is, is worth three to four watches at least. <laughs> it's a
2: very silly. A lot of those later Roger Moore movies are very, very silly.
3: I, um uh, I, I did. I loved Octopussy when it came out, which uh, uh, I, I just and, watched and, and that I again watched recently, and recently. recently and it's
2: ridiculous.
3: Ridiculously.
1: Yeah. Awesome. <laughs>
3: No, I think, and
2: what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, the the podcast I was listening to that was talking about James Bond described Roger Moore as the tofu of James Bonds, and I can't really argue with that.
1: <laughs> oh, no, he was awesome. Well, China, I the think. The man had class, dude. He had class.
2: Not as Get much as ladies. Sean Connery.
3: Get all the ladies.
2: Not as much as Sean Connery.
3: I, I think there were two things. One, Sean Connery uh, – I'm sorry. Roger Moore was, is the same age as Sean Connery. So when Sean Connery retired because he was getting too old no, – Roger Moore that's
0: not, was that's
1: already too old. That's not, that's not, what, that's not true. He retired um, because he didn't want to be typecast.
3: That's that's uh, true. That didn't help. Still no, it still took him another 15 years to, to kind of not be typecast. Um, yeah. Roger Moore was originally up for the role because he had already been doing, I think, the Saint um, – but I think part of the problem is when Roger Moore took over, it was just um the films became silly because that was the era. And he yes, worked for absolutely. that. You know, it wasn't that Roger Moore made the movies silly. I mean he wasn't Roger Moore didn't come in and say, Fuck it, we're gonna do a black Well,
2: and that's and that's what they were referring to when they said they he was the tofu that's what they were referring to when I said he was the tofu of James Bond, is that he took, the, he took on the flavor of whatever the hell the producers of the movies were doing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he was awesome. Those were great films. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. Anyway, um, for Collateral, I
3: didn't uh, final, really do a whole Bond episode, but. Final,
1: uh, oh, sure. Uh, final thoughts on uh, Collateral. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, Collateral, um, easily uh, one of the. Better film, better thrillers, best thrillers I've ever seen. Um, considered one of the possibly top 10 films of 2004. Um, the film uh, most certainly uh, is a a gem of a film that some folks may not have seen, especially younger folks. Um, Tom Cruise at his best. Jamie Foxx uh, coming into his own. Uh, Michael Mann at his best. Uh, High recommend by me, um, and the Korean uh, nightclub scene is the best. I don't care what it was. Uh, Eric? Uh,
2: I enjoyed this movie, and I recommend it. Uh, It's one that, although it did get pretty good uh, reviews at the time, not a lot of people talk about it still. Um, So you may not have heard of it until now. And if that's the case, I would say go check it out.
3: All
1: right, excellent. And uh, Mike?
3: Yeah, this is another solid film by Michael Mann. I mean, it's no Miami Vice, but it is a very spectacular uh, piece of entertainment. Also with uh, Jamie Foxx, correct? Uh, So, uh, yeah, I know a lot of people love Heat, and I like Heat quite a lot. I'd like this one more. Um, I think it moves better. I think the characters are really well drawn. I think it's great performances by both Fox and um, Tom Cruise, both doing something that was, for them, atypical at the time. Uh, and I think I was, mentioned stuff like with the coyote and the, and the tripping over the chair, there was a lot of serendipity that happened in the production, in the film. And Michael Mann really does seem to know how to shoot the hell out of LA. Um, but yeah, this is, this is not only would I definitely say this is one of my favorite films from 2004, I would say it was probably one of my favorite films of that decade. Um, and yeah, it is one that has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. I feel it never broke through to the public consciousness the way they have. Uh, so I highly, highly recommend you check it out if you haven't already, because uh, I never really understand who we're recording this for, or Are we making recommendations to people who never saw it, or are we talking about it for people who have. Both. If you have never seen it, we just spoiled the fuck out of it for you. <laughs> You're welcome. Good luck mapping um, out the conversation we did doing it, though, because there's a good chance if you listen to this straight on through without editing it into a sequential order, you have no idea what the actual flow of the story was, <laughs> and that's fine. You know, you know the um, events. You just don't know what happened first. Well, well except no, you know, the Tom Cruise was no, in an but, airport.
1: No, but but that that's fine because people don't listen to podcasts to just hear um, step by step of what they could just watch on the on the screen. Anyway, they're here to hear opinions, commentaries, critiques, and so forth. So uh, I don't think we have to go scene by scene by scene because. You know, that's just narrating a film that people could watch. Um,
2: see if they want that.
1: Exactly. So, uh, w- one trivia about this film that I didn't bring up was uh, it was originally supposed to be Adam Sandler as the taxi driver and Russell Crowe as the hitman.
3: Ooh. Before, yeah, I can before see that. Adam
2: Sandler as the taxi driver. I don't know if Russell Crowe would have worked as the hitman.
3: Oh, he could. He was coming off of Gladiator. I think he could have done it, it would have been very different.
2: Yeah, I think I wouldn't have liked it as much. Yeah, oh, Adam oh,
3: Sandler would have been interesting.
1: Yeah, Sam, I can Sandler, totally picture Sandler as the cab driver, though that would have yeah, worked. Yeah, 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 that's true. Uh, but yeah, Cruz was was so awesome in this film that uh, I, I couldn't see, or wouldn't want to see anybody else in it. Um, all right, so uh, that's uh, 2004 uh, Collateral, uh, one of those generic uh, 2000 name titles that probably is one of the reason why it. Disappeared from the consciousness of uh, of um, people, I guess. But either way, it stars uh, Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx, uh, Jada Pinkett-Smith, Mark Ruffalo, uh, Peter Berg, who has done some damn good directing himself, and Bruce McGill, also known as D-Day from Animal House. Um, the film was uh, written by Australian Stuart Beattie and directed by Michael Mann, uh, high uh, praise by many uh directors i mean i'm sorry many critics uh speaking speaking of it uh, bd actually wanted robert de niro to play the taxi driver but uh the producers refused because they didn't they thought they wanted a younger actor um and uh so folks could check it out you can pretty much rent it anywhere um there is a disc but it's uh kind of and it's a pretty good disc it has uh commentary and all that um but uh it's it's disappears off and on it's weird how how it comes but but you can get it uh for around 10 bucks i think and um again it has uh commentary and a 40 minute documentary making of you know interviewing the filmmakers and stuff too so so it's a pretty good uh, disc if you, if you want to get it um and uh, i guess pretty much that's it so uh eric what didn't you leave us on all
2: right thanks for tuning in to listen to cinema a la carte And our discussion about Collateral come back next month. We'll have another movie.